Hello guys, how are you doing? Welcome to this week's NTT20 betting show. Apologies for the tardiness of the release of this podcast. This podcast is for over 18s only and it's about betting. It's about betting responsibly. If you head to begambleaware.org, there is all the information you need around the risks that come with betting. Please do go and check them out. Um, you may think you know them, but it's always worth a, a refresher, I would say. Uh, George, we're sponsored by the good people at SpreadX. We are indeed, yeah, a kind of one-stop shop for all of your football betting, I would say, and, and other betting too, because they offer a fixed odd service. So like your normal betting that you see day to day, they have prices and all the normal stuff that you'd want to get involved with. And that's kind of predominantly what we'll talk about here on the betting show. But they also offer a spread betting facility, which we've discussed at length in the past on the podcast. If you're new to it, if you want to DM me at George Ellick for any questions about spread betting, it's something I've done for a long time. I think it's great fun. I think there are novel markets such as buying and selling team points and goal scorers and all sorts like that as well so do check it out if you'd like to sign up for a spreadx account and uh, make the most of everything that george has just mentioned there is a, an offer for you as well bet 10 get 10 does exactly what it says on the tin there are terms and conditions of that offer as you can imagine please do check those out but basically if you'd like to sign up you can get that bet 10 get 10 sign up offer at spreadx.com forward slash ntt20 and of course they will have an enhanced sixfold based on our selections in the football specials section of the website. George, I I think we are the Gillingham of EFL betting at the moment. <laughs> capable of some good wins, some impressive wins, sometimes um, against the odds, but equally capable of some pretty horrendous performances. Overall, inconsistent form recently, sort of struggling to put a run together. And then just to take it one further, we're appealing for absolutely everything, just like Steve Evans and his mate Paul Rayner um, in the dugout. And last weekend, not great. Two losing naps is just, you know, as soon as you see that, you know it's been a poor weekend. There was one decent winner each. Uh, your Morecambe winner at 9-5 to five against Carlisle. Uh, and I correctly picked Forrest and Watford to go under 1.5 goals at 13-8. to eight. Um, But my MK Dons pick whacked by Wigan. Uh, my long shot, Bristol Rovers, didn't really get off the ground against Hull. And your long shot, James Garner, did have a late effort, not a long shot, went wide. I did notice that they haven't changed the prices, though. They're just dangling mm. him in front of us again. 20 to 1, James Garner to score first this weekend against Reading. You cannot tell me that doesn't excite you. Well, I mean, it's it's just definitely a bet. <laughs> okay. There's nothing else really to say. Like, he's, you know, they until he scores or until things changes, you, you've got a guy who is getting good chances in every game. Um, you know, I'd probably lean more towards the the any time than the first. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Lovely. Okay. That's, that's your first bet of the day. First bet of the day. Now I want to hear your best bet of the weekend, your nap. My best bet of the weekend is a team that I have been so reluctant to admit are good for a variety of reasons, but it is Bolton. This is going to be one way to stop this ridiculous Bolton merry march towards the top of, uh, of League Two. Uh, Bolton are 21 to 20 against Port Vale. And, you know, the, the reason for this isn't necessarily to, to do with Bolton. I think the market has worked out now that Bolton are pretty good. To be honest, the, I think the market has overestimated Bolton for the majority of the season. Um, you know, back, it was a pretty profitable way to go early in the season when they were title favourites was just to get against Bolton. But the level of performance now is very good. Um, you know, we're seeing them... Um, 
a team who've, who've certainly learned how to win and are do, doing so fairly consistent. consistently. You look at their last eight games in the league. They've won seven of them. The only one they didn't win was against Bradford, where they were one up in the 92nd minute before a very late Danny Rowe goal in what was an incredible game of football. Um, <laughs> ended up finishing one all. Um, but it's more, I guess, maybe to Port Vale, who are in a, a, you know, a point of transition here. Um where they have appointed a director of football in David Flickcroft and they've appointed new manager in Daryl Clark, two, you know, EFL bleed to men managers who I think will in time improve Port Vale. And I think the the feeling at Vale was that the performance against Oldham on the weekend, um, or sorry, on in midweek was much improved. You know, they batted Oldham even though they looked they drew nil nil. And there were, were real signs that they were going to, um, yeah, that, that, that they were on the up and that this was the beginning of a, of a better era. But I'm not really buying it. I think basically any team worth their, worth their salt would, would be battering this this Oldham side at home at the moment. I think it speaks probably more volumes that they were unable to beat this, this Oldham side as they are at the moment in this position, which seen Harry Kuehl lose his job and replaced by Keith Curl. Um you know, the, so even though I disagree with the decisions, so despondent has the Oldham, um, you know, owner been, which doesn't say much that he's decided to, to change the manager. So I'm not really buying it. I think that Bolton have, have come up against um, much tougher opposition in recent weeks and made pretty light work of them. I think that Port Vale will have to improve massively on their their recent run of form. And I, and I just have a feeling that if, if Port Vale had, if you take out that Oldham game, maybe... Um, uh, Bolton would be a tick or two shorter. Um, Bolton are just a, a far better team in, in their current guys and their two teams going very much in opposite directions. Uh, although you do have to say that, I mean, Port Vale are in a position where we can't say that they have nothing much to play for because as as this run continues, they are now 21st in the table. They're just um, six points clear of of the drop zone and with Barrow and Southend picking up points pretty regularly. And as I'm going to talk about later, maybe an improvement coming from Grimsby too. Um, so Bolton, yeah, Bolton to beat, um, Bolton to beat Port Vale away from home at 21 to 20 is my nap. My nap. Well, I'm taking a slightly different approach this week. Didn't have any bets in midweek. I just felt the need to have a bit of a refresh. Uh, so much football at the moment. And I just left that one alone. Came out this weekend with kind of, yeah, refreshed eyes, if you will. Looked at the docket with great enthusiasm and was just like, wow, this is a really tough slate, I think, especially in the championship um, this week. Really, really difficult. I know you're leaving it alone completely. The the main theme that kind of stood out for me, both in terms of gut instinct and then looking a little bit deeper, was teams at longer prices that I think are good value. And, and therefore, on the flip side, relatively short price teams or favourites that I think are... Well, I think can be got at. So there's a there's quite a lot of ways of doing this, isn't there, George? Um, when you want to essentially get against a favourite, for the purposes of our uh, picks on the show, and for the purposes of the enhanced sixfold on the SpreadX football special section, I'm going to pick three teams double chance this weekend, which I'll go through in a second. But I know that you would not approach it like this. There's a loads of different ways that you can basically approach this sort of theme, if you will. Um, you know, everyone knows you love a draw no bet. Um, but but with spread X as well, there are kind of different ways of doing things. 
yeah, I mean, on the spreads, there are quite a few markets. So if you give me, Ali, an example of, of one of the games you're picking, yeah. then I can run you through a couple of the spread options as well. Great. Okay, well, I mean, the one I'm going to start with, so my nap for betting show purposes, is Bristol City double chance away at Birmingham this weekend. Um, double chance obviously means I get the draw or the Bristol City win, and the price with spread X is four to six. I was really surprised when I saw that Bristol City were the joint longest price to win in the championship this weekend. It's a, it's a, I mean, I don't want to bang on about it. It's a really interesting championship docket in general. Um, it, it's one of those where there are very few short price favourites, which feels rare for this stage of the season. And it's, it's really exciting from a sort of sporting and competitiveness standpoint. But when you're a bit low on confidence, it, punting wise, maybe it's not the best. Um, but yeah, Wickham to beat Preston. Huddersfield to beat QPR and Bristol City to beat Birmingham are the, the longest prices. And to me, that really stands out uh, out of the three. Bristol City, Nigel Pearson in charge now. They've had a bit of a sort of roller coaster start under him, haven't they? They won at Middlesbrough with him kind of partially in charge and taking the credit for it. They won against Swansea, who probably should have had three penalties in the first half. Um, and Bristol City much improved in the second half. Pearson's sort of tactical changes and halftime switch won them that game. Then they've lost two games in a row. Um, one against Bournemouth where they weren't great and one against QPR where they were really poor. Went behind early and didn't really lay a glove on them. Conceding a headed goal to Ilias Chair is pretty criminal, I think, in a championship at championship <laughs> level. The dicky goal from a set piece was ugly too. And, and set pieces would be my main concern here. Birmingham are not a team that creates a lot from open play. That is... That is pretty inarguable at this point. Um, they do pose a threat from set pieces. Of course they do. I think back to last weekend, they might have lost, but Harley Dean headed wide from about six yards, didn't he? So if Bristol City haven't got their act together in that sense, again, would I be surprised to see a Harley Dean or a Christian Pedersen header from a set piece um, go in? No, I wouldn't. But in general play, I don't see Birmingham being the better side here. So I just don't really agree with the prices. Even with the poor few months Bristol City have had, I still think their sort of average performance level should be, I was going to say well above Bristol's, uh, Birmingham, but that's probably been chipped away over the last few months. It should be above Birmingham City. I think that I think that they are a better side than them. Blues have obviously won their last home game against QPR, but overall at home, the worst record in the championship for what that's worth. Three wins, three draws, 11 defeats at St Andrews this season um and yeah I just I just I was just surprised by the price and I want to be against Birmingham being I wouldn't go as far as to say strong favorites but favorites for this one both teams have had a full week of training and I'm choosing to make that a positive from a Bristol City perspective <laughs> since well since Nigel Pearson's joined they haven't had that he was straight in against Borough midweek weekend midweek weekend now they've had the whole week off Finally, he gets a chance to to put in some training. And, you know, I'm putting my faith in an improved Bristol City this weekend and one that should be able to avoid defeat versus Birmingham. I think they've got better players. I, I, I'm sure, well, I'm confident that Pearson can set them up to, to at least avoid defeat to here. And I'm just worried about those set pieces. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm going double chance at four to six Bristol City. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, there are a few markets that you can do. You can kind of do on the spreads here that would satisfy your bet um, one of which is just you can sell Birmingham to win the match which is a, a binary index where if they win the match it makes up 100 points if they lose the match it makes up zero points it's effectively a fixed odds lay bet um, you know with Birmingham here you're selling <clears throat> at 42.1 
So if you sell at 42.1 for a pound, you'll make 42.1 pounds. And if you sell at 42.1 for a pound and they win, then it's 100 minus 42.1 is your loss. So it's, it's effectively a fixed odds bet, but as a spread bet, um, which is one way to go. But there are loads of other things. So, I mean, I would just go on the page and you can see most of them are fairly self-explanatory. There's a little blue eye button next to each market where you can see exactly what's going on. But yeah, I would say generally, I mean, the, the Asian handicap does offer a very good way of, of getting against teams beyond just a, a win draw um, win market. But the spreads offers a, a different method of getting against them, which might stylistically fit more into what you're trying to do. Okay, uh, what's your next best? Grimsby. Yeah, I'm backing Grimsby to win. It's pretty weird, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm backing Grimsby to beat Colchester. Um, and in part, this is because... I think uh, Grimsby are starting to improve. Um, we saw them put in a really good display against Carlisle in midweek. And yes, they managed to somehow fail to win again, conceding a 93rd minute goal um, to Zanzala, um, which was a massive, massive blow for them because this would have been a huge victory on the road. Uh, Linnell John Lewis getting a great goal, wearing the armband. Still so weird to me that he's captain of Grimsby at the moment but he played very very well um, and we're starting to see this being a bit of a trend now for Grimsby um, whereas a couple of weeks ago it felt like Southend and Barrow were you know were picking up points whilst Grimsby were just completely desperate there have been a couple of signs in recent weeks that they're starting to improve you know we saw them going down 2-1 to Forest Green um, on the weekend as well Forest Green scoring a winner there when it was one all but again they played pretty well um very fine margins of victory. You look back at all their defeats uh, in recent times, a 1-0 loss against Aitnoin, a 1-0 defeat against Harrogate, a 1-0 defeat against Newport. Like they're not being battered by teams at all at the moment. Uh, and then, of course, you got that win against Crawley a couple of weeks ago. I think Hurst is starting to get a bit of improvement out of them. Um, and, you know, it's not particularly pretty, but having the two physical presences of, of John Lewis and Hanson up front seems to be causing opposition teams a few issues. I still think Colchester are really bad. Um, I know they got the win against Carlisle, something that something that Grimsby couldn't do a couple of weeks ago, but it was a massive smash and grab. Like the performance that Grimsby put in against Carlisle away was far, far better than the performance that Colchester put in in the 2-1 win where they basically scored with their only two chances and Carlisle had plenty. Um, they followed that up with two desperate displays against Newport and, and Harrogate. Um, they are really really poor and going into this game you know from a from a psychological point of view you've got this is a game for Colchester to be pretty scared of you know Grimsby have nothing to fear here that they are they are going to have to pull something incredible out of that out of the bag in order to avoid relegation um, but have a big opportunity here to reel in one of their rivals whereas Colchester going away to a team who you know when they're playing so badly knowing that you're right <laughs> yeah I've got a leak oh, <laughs> I've no. got a leak a few minutes later, leak sorted ish. Needs to be sorted. But George, I interrupted you. Please continue. Where the hell was I? Um, <laughs> you just harked back to your PhD in uh, football psychology and you told us why Colchester are very scared. The other thing for Colchester players and management will know is that at the moment there is one relegation spot which they could possibly fall into. And if they lose this game, there's, there's two. Um, very, very quickly because a win here would, would bring Grimsby pretty close. I don't have the table in front of me, but I think it would then be seven, would it, to, to Colchester? Um, 
which as we've seen by the by the how quickly Barrow and, and Southend have, have managed to get themselves towards safety with a couple of wins, you know, a few wins for Grimsby here. And it won't take long. I mean, they are favourites for the game. Um, it's not like I'm, I've spotted something crazy here. They're six to four favourites, um, but I think they're rightful favourites. Um, I, I think that they, you know, often when you're looking at this stuff, you've got to kind of look for a, for a trend. And the trend I'm seeing is that Grimsby are, are not as bad as their current results. And if they carry on knocking on the door, they're going to get a win fairly soon. Whereas Colchester are just poor and poor and poor game after game. Well, up the Paul Hurst Mariners then. I'm going to League One for my next pick. There are quite a few longer prices in League One. Rochdale, George at 6-1. to one. Nah, you're all right. Um, Quite funny, I think, that I had my big Rochdale rant on here, only for them to go and beat Bristol Rovers that weekend and have since lost seven and drawn two of their next nine. So there you go. I probably haven't made as much money from that stance as I would have liked, but that's fine. Um, You've also got Oxford at Hull. I was tempted by this one. Uh, Shrewsbury at Charlton, less tempted uh, Northampton at Donny and Argyle at Ipswich are the two that I am going for. Um, starting with Argyle at Ipswich, double chance I'm selecting Plymouth here. Five to six is the price with spread X. Um, as George said, a number of different ways of, of approaching this, though, of course. Um, Argyle, look, very, very bad run of results. I'm I, I'm getting a little concerned, George, that Ryan Lowe might be a bit of a streaky Lee Johnson. Um, like, Argyle this season have had ridiculous streaks, both good and bad. They won one out of nine in November and December, including losing six in a row at one point. Then they won seven out of 12, nine unbeaten at one point. They've now lost three in a row. And yeah, it's just, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? It's a funny one. Uh, they've lost to Northampton, to Wigan and to Donny in their last three. Really, really poor run. A lot of um, the sort of... A lot of the the general response from the fan base tends to be, well, we either have really bad defenders individually or Ryan Lowe needs to buck up his ideas in terms of setting up a team defensively. And that is sort of the thing that crops up at regular intervals when we think about Ryan Lowe, a manager that we like a lot, is that I'm yet to see a Ryan Lowe side that you can really trust at the back. Um, And the trade-off is they are brilliant going forward. And in this run, and one of the reasons why I'm not overreacting to it, is that they are continuing to create a ton of chances. That's what they always seem to do. I think in terms of open play XG numbers, they might have the best record in League One uh, over the whole season. So... That you know that, but that reflects very well on low. Uh, whereas defensively, maybe less so. In these three losses, they've scored one goal. They've generated five point two expected goals in those last three games, and you only have to watch the highlights of the last two games to see some like genuinely quite entertaining misses, some horrendous finishing from uh, a, a group of Argyle players, and. You know, in general, I don't see that being the sort of thing that will just keep going and keep going. Generally, we think that if you're going to keep creating the chances, then you're probably going to score some goals. So the the flip side of this is if I'm worried about Argyle not being that good defensively, how worried am I that Paul Cook's Ipswich are ready to purr, are ready to really cut loose and create a lot? There's no huge sign that that will be the case. Uh, they drew one on with Lincoln in midweek. They had three shots total. The goal, uh, you know, they were 1-0 down after half an hour as well. The goal came from a set piece. They lost to Gillingham last weekend. Again, 
you know, it's it's clear that he might be trying to tell them to be a bit braver on the ball and to maybe play out from the back a bit and try and avoid this staleness in possession that they had under Paul Lambert. But at the moment, it's not translating into a team creating a ton of chances. So I'm backing this run of Argyle defeats to end. Ipswich being odds on to win this game, I think is wrong. So for the purposes of the betting show, I'm going double chance for Argyle at five to six. So just please, can one of these chances fall to Luke Jeffcott rather than Edwards or Grant or Ennis, who at the moment have been yeah missing. Um, and yeah, I'll just do the next one as well, also in League One, and it's Northampton double chance against Doncaster. Again, more thinking that Donny are just a little bit short here. Um, so I'm taking Northampton double chance, 17 to 20. Two caretaker managers in charge here, or interims, if you want to give it the posh title. Uh, Andy Butler filling in after Darren Moore left at Donny. And John Brady, uh, who you've become very fond of, in at Northampton until the end of the season after Keith Curl left. Since Moore left Doncaster, they've done pretty well um, under Butler. They beat Pompey well which was a fairly even game in which they took their chances, a couple of really good finishes. Then they beat Argyle 2-1 in a crazy like roller coaster game. I think 40 shots in total. It was brilliant to watch. Both Donny's goals came from set pieces. Um, two good deliveries from Coppinger. One was sort of first phase set piece. One was second phase. And then they lost in midweek to Crew, And they really, they couldn't generate anything. They had both their strikers out, Bogle and Okanabire. Um, they played without a striker and struggled, basically. Um, crew, fairly comfortable winners there. Now, team news this morning. That's why it's actually quite helpful to do a late pod. Bogle's still out. Okanabire should be back for this. So they should have more of a focal point. John Taylor is now out for the season for them. Reese James and John Bostock both came off with knocks in that game, but expected to play this weekend. So it's not bare bones by any means for Donny, but I do get the feeling they're up against it a bit. I wonder whether they're missing Ben Whiteman more than we thought initially. They went on that really good run, didn't they? And uh, it's not hard to understand why you would miss him in terms of um, what he did in possession and them not having like maybe an obvious person to pick up that slack, but also maybe defensively as much as anything, where he had a big job sitting in front of the back four. They haven't kept a clean sheet, Donny, uh, in nine games, having been a really good defensive team at the start of the season. As for Cobblers, it's another sort of tedious alley betting show sob story uh back to them two weeks ago to beat swindon went one nil up they'd only won one in 16 i thought i saw a spark went one up and then scott twine happened um they then beat argyle and pompey back to back um before losing to charlton in midweek um but it's it's two wins two draws and four defeats since keith curl yet uh, left they've definitely got the spark that they needed from brady he's going very much for the emotional approach to motivating his team in a relegation battle my concern is they they may have expended so much physical and emotional energy last weekend in beating Pompey that they might be a bit cooked like midweek at Charlton they might as well not have turned up and just given Charlton the win there they didn't really lay a glove on them but I like what I've seen from some of the wide players since Brady's taken charge there's certainly more about them I think going forward I like Kioso, the right back a lot on loan from Luton too so this is this is one probably of the three that I'm least keen on, I'll be honest. Um, with the others, with Argyle and with Bristol City, I'll also be backing those teams to win outright um, at fairly juicy prices. With this one, it's much more not being that convinced by Doncaster at the moment and then being pretty short. So it, it's more of a lay Donny price for the sake of the pick. Uh, Northampton double chance at 17 to 20. So next up for you. 
Yeah, next up for me um, is you've already you've already said my bonus by the way, which is a bit of a shame at the top of the show. So this is my last one in James Garner. That's fine. <laughs> um, so my last pick is Scunthorpe to beat um, Leighton Orient at twelve to five, and this has basically nothing to do with Scunthorpe. Um, I think given uh, where Leighton Orient seem to kind of sit in the League Two market at the moment. I think I basically would have been backing anybody to be Orient because the signs are not good uh, over the last couple of games. You know, Joby McEnough has come in, uh, got a 1-0 win at Grimsby, uh, and then the last two performances and the results to go alongside. Well, I mean, they've been incredibly lucky to pick up a point because they were very, very poor against Exeter. Uh, Exeter getting into a two-goal lead within 13 minutes and then just dominating the game from there. But the Stevenage game was quite annoying for me because I had a big bet on Stevenage uh, in midweek um, and Stevenage just totally and utterly battered Orient. Orient hit the post from distance um, at one point. That was basically their only chance. Stevenage had 16 shots, had eight shots on target. Lawrence Figaro, the man of the match, by absolutely miles, keeping Leighton Orient not only in it, but, but keeping the scoreline down to stopping it from being uh, another thrashing. Um, you know, I, I'm not necessarily, well, I'm, I'm not blaming Joby, but the early signs, you know, he, he's, he's a rookie manager coming into uh, managing a side where he's been part of the setup already. Like it's difficult, uh, especially when at the moment they, they look like they, they're, they're too far clear of getting into any serious trouble. Um, but the, the, the early signs are that they are in their current guise and until something changes, they are really, really poor. Um, we've seen this kind of side. Uh, go through two really good spells so far this season. You know, they're certainly not abject. They're a team who, despite their poor form, um, can kind of turn it on and, and win games. We saw them beat Harrogate a couple of weeks ago uh, in the middle of Harrogate's very good run of form too. So I, I just don't think Leighton Orient should really be favourites. Probably only against... Well, I mean, would I even back them to beat Colchester if they were, were favourites? Pro- probably not. So um, just trying to hop on the Leighton Orient... Um, well, maybe hop off the Leighton Orient train until we see some improvement on the pitch. Wouldn't take you long to get the train to Leighton Orient either, would it? No. No, I mean, although ironically, I'd have to probably walk to their local station to get the train. So it would, it would kind of be impossible. Going against <laughs> your local club. That's sad to see. That's very sad to see. Um, my bonus. Well, I'm still looking for the, the centre-back first goal scorers, guys. Don't think I've stopped, but the prices just get worse and worse throughout the season. Um any any perceived edge that I think I have tends to happen in the first half of the campaign. Um, most of the tall centre-backs who like throwing their head at everything um, are, are being flagged up by this point. So the price is not as exciting as they tend to be at the start of the season. I, I'm just going to flag up uh, MK Dons' Ethan Laird, right wing back on loan from Manchester United. Firstly, because he looks like a very exciting player. I mean, I think playing wing-back for MK Dons is, is one of the nicest places to play wing-back in the EFL because he's essentially a winger. If you look at his heat map uh, and you... and you, and you I Well, if I showed you his heat map and I said, where do you think this player plays? You would say right wing. Uh, MK Dons, as we know, have a lot of the ball. Their, their wing-backs provide a lot of width and he has had quite a few good looks at goal. Since he joined, really, um, he tends to have at least one shot in each game, and I think he's going to score quite soon. And I'd like to be on it. He's twenty-five to one to score this weekend against Accrington Stanley. 
And my thinking here is, you know, compounded by the fact that Accrington also play three at the back system. In the first game between these two teams, MK had 62% possession. I think that will be the case again. I think they will have the large majority of the ball. And it's not hard for me to imagine, given that they commit numbers from midfield, a scenario where they work it in the, you know, down the middle or down the left side, perhaps. Um, the Accrington left wing back, whoever that may be, could easily, I could see them getting sucked in to, uh, to help out centrally and Laird, therefore, on the outside, the extra man getting a good shot at goal. So that's how I see it happening, George. I've drawn up a scenario for a 25-1 to winner and it'll be one of my favourite moments of the season if it happens. But yeah, Ethan Laird, MK Dons, 25-1 to is my bonus. Uh, before we go, talk me through your selections. You're basically a League 2 dweller for the most part this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my, my bonus, as we touched on the top of the show, but I can give it a little, a little chat now, is, is James Garner at 10-1 to 1 to score any time against Reading. Um, you've got a player who's basically getting goal-scoring opportunities in every game. <clears throat> and whilst he might be missing them, I'm pretty sure that one's going to go in fairly soon. And we've got to be on because that 10-1 to 1 is definitely, definitely value. Uh, my nap is Bolton to beat Port Vale. Um, my next best is Grimsby to beat Colchester. And finally, Scunthorpe to beat Leighton Orient. Lovely, lovely stuff. Well, as discussed, um, my sort of back and forth, finding it tricky at the moment, led me to get against teams this week. So um, Bristol City, double chance at four to six. Uh, Argyle at Ipswich, double chance at five to six. And Northampton at Donny, 17 to 20, also double chance. That's for the purpose of our enhanced sixfold, which you'll find on the Spreadex site under football specials. Um, check that out and get involved if you like what we've spoken about today. If you don't have a Spreadex account but you'd like to open one, uh, you'll get a nice offer as well. Bet 10, get 10. If you head to spreadex.com forward slash NTT20, that's where you can go to find it. That's also where you'll find all of the terms and conditions. And we hope that you have a really good weekend, guys. Best of luck with any selections. Let us know at NTT20pod what you fancy, what we've missed. If you think we've missed something, uh, always good to hear from you guys. But up the James Garner, up the Ethan Laird, and let's all have a good one. <laughs>